Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. Before we jump into this week's amazing podcast, we're excited to announce a new partnership with Vivo Barefoot, who are sponsoring the School of Calisthenics podcast. They've got a special offer just for podcast listeners with using SOC15. You can get 15% off any Vivo Barefoot shoes. We have been using these, and let's uh, it's probably no small feat to say this is a game changer for your feet. And if you look after your feet, Timbo, your feet will look after you. Yeah, this one's an absolute no-brainer for me. Like we've we've got a pair of Vivo Barefoots, and they are literally my favourite pair of shoes. And they've even surpassed my cowboy boots, um, which I've interestingly, when I put those on now, having worn Vivos for some time and, and started to integrate more into barefoot running in them, doing trail runs in them, or training them, just generally wear them for lifestyle purposes as well. If I go back and put my other shoes on, my feet feel properly squashed in. Um, having the freedom of that wide sh- um, toe box on the Vivo on the Vivos is just. Yeah, it is like you say, it's a game changer, and I am a hundred percent sold and converted to the barefoot lifestyle. Yeah, I've even occasionally gone a little bit even more hardcore and literally gone out running without anything on, just actual bare feet. But for those that aren't familiar with um, with Vivo barefoots um, and the benefits, is when you look at your normal shoe, how small that is in comparison to the size of your actual feet and where it wants to be. You may well have, like me. I had a, a little toe that was literally obsolete, um, couldn't move it, couldn't do anything with it. It's just been spent its whole life crushed up against the other feet. Um, and it was, wasn't something that really I was aware about. When I first got those Vivo Barefoots, it was almost like I looked at them, I was like, crikey, these are wide. Like, why do they need to be so wide? And one of the, it's sort of seeing how much space we actually do need for our for our shoes and for our feet to be able to move. And if your feet aren't functioning right and that's your stable point of contact with the floor, we know from Kinetic Chain Principles that's going to have an effect all the way up the chain. So, you know, speaking from for me and, and Tim, as you say, we have felt the benefit and uh, couldn't rate the the shoes high enough and uh, can't see myself going... Well, say, if you ever do go back to any of the shoes that you've got, because it's, um, it's a bit hard to just throw all of your other shoes out all of a sudden, isn't it? But... Um, you, you notice that difference and spending more time having space for your feet to do what they need to do and be how they need to be is something that is going to help with our overall health and longevity. Yeah, for the visual learners amongst you, if you're thinking what Jacko, you're wondering, wondering what do Jacko's toes look like? If you imagine a pack of Chipolata <laughs> sausages packed in, possibly the last box that everyone else has left on the shelf, that's what they were like. And he's now actually made some good progress. But if you want to get involved, you can use code, get 15% off. And the guys are super generous. There's a 100 day trial period. So wear them for 99 days. If you go, do you know what? These aren't for me. Send them back. They're cool with it. But I would be pretty sure you won't do that. You'll keep them and then you'll want to wear them all the time. Yeah, so the link is in the show notes. The code you need to use, once again, is SOC15. Get yourself 15% off. It's worth trying them out. You could have them for 99 days and then send them back, couldn't you? But uh, there's no chance that you will be wanting to send them back. And, uh, yeah, you can join us in the world of barefoot living. Let's, Let's get, get into this week's podcast. Roll that jingle. <laughs>
Right, it's another week and another podcast, and this time we are super excited to welcome Ryan Fisher onto the podcast to join us for a little chat. Ryan is a, has got an extensive training background from being a, a, very close to going to the Olympics in 2010 as a bobsled athlete. He's also been a high-performance CrossFit athlete and is now engaged in a, he's got a gym program, his own gym and a number of affiliates around the world. So a guy who brings a load of experience to the table. Yeah, he's also, uh, well, you'll hear in his story, been through and overcome a number of challenges um, in, in his life as part of that journey and overcome a lot of adversity that there is a lot that we can uh, learn from as well as be inspired by that story. And we're going to cover what it was like building some of the strength for him and also building that community that he has uh, generated throughout uh, Chalk Performance. So sit back, relax and enjoy this one. Ryan Fisher on the School of Calisthenics podcast. So, Ryan, welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast. Thank you for spending a bit of time with us today. Absolutely. Excited to be here. Let's do it. Um, really interested uh, to speak to you about two main topics, about building strength and building community. But before we get stuck into the, the depths of those two things, um, for the one person that you know doesn't follow you, isn't one of your 200,000 Instagram followers that's listening now, um, you know, just give us a little bit of a background. Where did, you know, where did it all start, start for Ryan Fisher? Oh, man. So I guess athletic career-wise, it's probably like the beginning of everything. Um, as a young, young kid, I raced bikes like all over the world, and that was like my big thing. And then college came along, and I wanted to do college sports. So I eventually got into the like Olympic skeleton and bobsled sports. Yeah. And I should have been on the 2010 Olympic team for bobsled for the four man. And then I wound up tearing my hamstring that year. And it made me really, really sad. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I could put out another four years for this. And then all of a where sudden- was, Where was that, that going to be for the Winter Games? It was going to be in Vancouver. Oh, nice. Or no, no, not, yeah, well, Whistler in, in Canada. Yeah. I can't not think of cool runnings whenever anyone says anything to do with bobsledding. <laughs> oh yeah, everybody says the same thing. <laughs> and when I first got into it, that was something that you know I really, I really looked up to that movie. I thought that movie was so cool. Yeah. And um, I actually met the entire team to be honest. Like the, that entire team that was on the Jamaica bobsled team used to come in and train with us because I lived in in Utah at the time, Park City. No way. And that whole team actually did come up, and there was it was pretty amazing. Oh, to, wow. actually, to actually meet them all yeah but but anyway um going from the bobsled stuff and then having that injury and then just knowing that the olympics is every four years it's just like something i was really weighing pretty heavy on me and a friend told me about crossfit and i you know i was like oh yeah I'll just you know i'll, I'll go to a no, nothing about competing like just go work out at the gym and then the owner of that gym was like one of the best guys in the world and i just didn't even know it because I didn't know anything about the sport. So we would start working out together and I would start putting down times that were the same as his or I'd beat him in some stuff and he kept getting me really excited about competing and telling me to compete. And to be honest, I still never really wanted to do it. And then eventually, you know, he's like, oh, you got to do this, this one big event. And I went and I, I, I won it. And then I went up going to these other big events and so on and so forth. And then it just wound up being something I wanted to do. So there was a whole timeline of events that happened after that, where I wound up moving to California and had this great job, like running a gym. And then all of a sudden I wound up not really liking the owner of the gym that much anymore. And 
a couple months go by and I lost all my money and I wound up sleeping on some girl's couch from the gym who I never even knew. And I was stealing everything from the grocery store and stealing all my clothes because I had no money. No and eventually, eventually I got caught and I got 1500 hours of community service. So a lot of people don't know when I first opened my gym, I had 1500 hours of community service. So I was, I coached every class every day myself, all 10 classes every day. And then every weekend I would shut the gym down. We weren't even open on the weekend and everybody wants to be open, but I was like, Hey, I can't, I have these other things I have to do. And I'd be cleaning up garbage at parks for, I did that for three years. Like I was picking up garbage at parks every weekend for three years for two months. I coached every class myself. And then once I got a coach, that person picked up a few classes and then I'd pick up more garbage at the parks for like, you know, all my days off. So like, I didn't even have, I never even had like any amount of time to myself for years and years wow. and years. How long ago was that then? Um, so the gym opened in 2000, either 13 or 14. I've had it yeah. now for six, for six years. I just can't remember exactly which year it is. Yeah. Even some yeah. of my shirts say 13 and some say 14 because I can't remember. <laughs> But yeah, all that started and um, I kept getting a bigger name in the sport and, you know, in, like social media came around during that time. A lot of people don't realize like how, how like non-prominent social media was. And I was using yeah. it to, to my benefit to get members into the gym, even before paid marketing or anything was a thing. I would, I would do these like little posts that were like, when I was opening the gym, like I'd buy yeah. like, I bought like 25 grand worth of competition plates and like nobody had competition plates at their gym at the time and i was like coming soon these plates you know yeah. and then pe people are like oh my god i can't believe he's gonna have those and then like i'd be like coming soon like i bought like 10 assault bikes and then building all this hype for the gym and by the time the gym had opened i had had over 100 members in the first day and wow. because i was working so much the the idea of putting all of these workouts that took me so long to make and then putting them on the website for free just didn't seem like, well, one, I didn't really have the time to really put them on. And then two, it just, it didn't seem right to me. I just was like, I don't understand why every gym puts their gyms, puts their workouts online for free. Like I put all this time into it. It doesn't make sense. Like I just didn't understand it. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I know everybody else does that. I know that I'm probably not getting members because I'm not putting them up, hmm. but, but I don't want to, I don't want to do it. And that was kind of like when the first thing that I started to sell was born. It was uh, the Chalk Online program, which is, it's basically the, the, the app that we use in the gym. Well, it started as just that. It was just the, the CrossFit program, which now is called Strength and Conditioning. I changed it because now we're not really uh, CrossFit affiliated. We're just Chalk Performance Training. Yeah. And then we, and we have this other class called Sweat because I understand that, you know, as you get older and I've, in the past six years, believe it or not, I have gotten older. Um, <laughs> your body changes a little bit. You don't really care to lift as heavy of the weights anymore. And I remember being in class being like, dude, why don't you just lift heavy weights? Like stop being a pussy. And it's like, you get older and your body's just not feeling it anymore. So I created this class called sweat and it's more of a conditioning class. We do a lot of the principles in the strength conditioning class, but there is no like strength, like true strength component, like with heavy, heavy lifts It's a lot more. Yeah diverse with lighter weights and a lot more of the cardio and it really just gives you exactly what the name is it's just gives you really good sweat 
And that's how the whole app started. And then now I have so many other programs on there that focus on different things. I even have a bodybuilding program on there. I have a body weight only program on there, which you would love. And then, um, and yeah, that was the first, that was the first thing that started. And then um, we'll get into the, some of the other things here, but that was, that's a little bit of the backstory. Yeah. I didn't really talk about my career very much. I was pretty good for, for, um, for about 10 years. I was, I would say I was one of the top prosecutors in the world for, for a while there. Ryan, I just wanted to ask you something you, went, you mentioned when you went back. Uh, it, just, it struck me as quite interesting as someone who was sort of uh, involved in competitive sport through bobsleigh and, and looking to go to the Olympics, but then going into CrossFit, you weren't that sort of keen on competing in that, in that arena. What was the difference in mindset there? Well, I skipped over one thing. It was, I was a helicopter pilot just before I finished school. And I wanted to go into the military to fly. So while I was doing doing the CrossFit thing, and this this guy that I met, uh, who was a big time competitor, he kept wanting me to compete, and I was like all about going to school and getting my degree, and then just going in the military to fly. And then this this whole competing thing, I was like super over it because of getting hurt for the Olympics and just being so heartbroken. Hmm. Um, and then also. In the beginning, I was really, really good at 90% of the stuff and then really, really bad at 10% of it. Mm. And I understood how much training that was going to be and like how it was going to put my life on hold. Like sports put your life on hold. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a complete life dedication. It's not just the sport. It's not just the way you eat or you sleep or you conduct your day. It's every single thing. And I was like, I just don't know if I want that right now. And I think because I didn't want it and I didn't care about it is what made me really good. Yeah. And then going in back into that competitive arena when you started to compete in CrossFit, was that a was that a something that you really kind of like you fell back into and do you know what I've missed this? I love now competing against other people, against myself, or was it still something which took a while for you to to sort of um, get back the passion for? No, I think once you're a competitor, you're always a competitor. I mean, even now. I haven't competed in like probably, I think like maybe two or three years now. And I've been like mountain biking and road biking a lot. And I just started competing in mountain biking now. So it's, it's one of those things that you'll never really stop competing. I think if you have that in you. Yeah. It's almost like a certain amount of time goes by. You need that little bit of a break, but then it, then it comes, it comes back. It's hard to train without a, without a goal, right? It's yeah you can go out there and kill yourself, but it's like, why sometimes? So it's, it's nice to have a why. Yeah. I found that after, like I, I'd had played, uh, well, in, you don't really have rugby out in America, but I played rugby and finishing that when I finished that career, I had that same thing. Well, I, it was like, I wanted a, you wanted a break just not just physically, but mentally from competing and really probably the pressure of the pressure of competing. Like you say, it overtaking, your whole life. I remember my mood used to literally be, we, we'd play week on week and whether we played well, I'd be in a good mood. If we played bad, they'd be in a bad mood and that would affect the rest of my life week really. Um, and just having the chance to just step away from that and not have to worry about the pressure of performing or anything was, um, was refreshing mentally. But then I got to that place that you say there where then there was no goal for my training. And actually I went from being what I thought was one of the, like, you know, I, I deemed myself a very motivated to train type of guy to then really like lacking motivation to go and go and do any training. And that's where some of the goals that we've come across in 
trying what we're trying to do in terms of our calisthenics movements that then became the thing to train for it was a competition with ourselves but it's still a still a still a competition and, and that motivational drive to carry on training so it's it's different but similar sort of mindset or process going on there i think oh definitely i can i can definitely attest to all that for sure can I just ask one more question? You're, you're fast becoming my new man crush with the fact that you're a helicopter pilot. Do you drive? A, have you got a motorbike as well? Just to top it off. I don't have a motorbike. I, ah. I um, <laughs> everybody around here in California is like, you're going to die if you get one of those. I, I want one so bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, be careful. To be honest, I don't. I don't really go. Like I live in this really cool area in California where I actually like. I live on a, on like a like a harbor. If that makes sense to you guys. Yeah. But the beach is also like very, very close by, like maybe 400 meters away. So I live like on this little harbor on an island and then the beach is just right across the way. And I, I pretty much every day I'll either do a paddleboard or I get on my bike and I go right up in the mountains because the mountains are nearby as well. And then my gym that I work out at and film at and do all my stuff is just, it's literally two miles away. Nice. So I just, I tend to be like in the same little circle, like all the time. And uh, yeah. I, even my own car, like I, I bought like my dream car, like just a year ago and I barely ever drive it. <laughs> so now I feel like I'm, I want the motorbike because my friend has one. He's like, you got to come with me. And I, I, I want one so bad, but I barely do. I, I, I like to, to beat the hell out of myself. I just got one more question around about the competition side of things because this is something that um, I've come across with with people over the years um, in the industry of of, um, of when they're they're competitive athletes they play a sport for example like Jacko was saying he played rugby and we find it all the time that when people finish that sport that struggle to continue to to train because there's nothing to train for anymore. Obviously, you found your way back into a competitive sport and and, and still now in in different arenas and different areas. Have you got any advice for anybody who's sort of like an ex athlete? coming out wants to stay fit, but just struggles to find motivation for, for training when there isn't a game or a, or a competition or something that they're, they're building up towards. Yeah. I feel like just getting like some sort of a hobby. And I feel like if you don't even know what your hobbies are, I feel like if you just look back, like when you, maybe you, when you were in high school, you know, some of the things you did growing up, like for a long time, I didn't ride my bike. Like I, I raced BMX as a young kid and then I didn't ride a bike for years and years and years until all these professional sports were over. And then it was like the first thing I kind of thought of, I was like, man, you know what? Like I haven't really rode ridden my bike in a while. That'd be kind of a fun thing to do. And I live at the beach shit and I haven't even really been surfing that much. Like I need, need to go get a surfboard. I have a little bit more time now. So I feel like everybody has some sort of little, little thing that they, they used to like a lot. And I feel like if they can bring that thing back in, I mean, even if, even if it's just going for a walk every day, I mean, it, just that simple walk can make you appreciate like where you live so much. Like I feel like people who don't get outside, they kind of like don't really appreciate where they live. And no matter where you live, there's got to be something good about it somewhere. I think yeah. that's like one of my favorite favorite things about riding my bike is getting outside and seeing where I live and like really like taking it in and appreciating it. There's something drastically different about driving around versus riding around versus walking around. They're all yeah. they're all very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we always notice that you sort of, you know, you, you see different things. You're like, oh, like, did you, like, I remember walking with my wife, whatever, and you're like, hey, has that always been there? And we just like, because yeah, you drive crazy. past it, you just don't even notice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I brought a skateboard for myself at Christmas. Um, 
to roll back the years about, I think it, what did I work it out at? It had maybe been about 22 years since I'd been on a skateboard and it, I, d- I did it for that purpose of like just, I, I used to do it when I was 16 and I enjoyed it and it made me feel like a 16 year old again. I was, I was crap when I got on it, but it made me feel like a 16 year old again. And I think, yeah, it's interesting you say hobbies because often we fill our time with work and with training. We almost don't leave enough time for a for a hobby, something that is just for pure fun rather than uh, training we might enjoy, but it's not necessarily, I don't know if I'd classify it as a hobby, particularly when, like in your situation, ours, where you're doing it as part of your, your job effectively. Yeah, I mean... I have one of those electric skateboards and that thing is just like a recipe for smiles for sure. Like, I mean, <laughs> I think it's like something that, something that simple, you know, it could totally change your whole day. Like you might just do that. And all of a sudden, you know, that little slump that you're in for work, all of a sudden you're ready to go. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit around about you've been um, sort of competitor and you've competed in other different sports. You've trained a lot of people. Um, as you've gone through your career from um, professional athlete into high performing CrossFit athlete and and onwards from there, what are the, some of the things that you've really kind of taken away from that? Is like what are your first principles when it comes down to training? The, you know the big rocks that you think are really important and that shape your philosophy about how you want to move, how you want to exercise, how you want to train. So interestingly enough. I'm still one of those people who I, I really don't like a big warm up. I, I like to kind of just like do a little bit of the movements that I'm going to be doing for the workout. Like I'll go through them and then I just like to smash it. And when it comes to competing, I like to kind of do the same thing. Like I like to kind of go through the movements. I'll do like a little mini workout, like in the warm up area, and then I'll just go hit the workout. But um, I think a lot of people right now are they're doing like these giant, giant warmups. And it's really just taking more time out of their day, in my opinion. Like if if you're moving properly throughout the workout, you won't be so messed up <laughs> later on yeah. that you need to have these giant warmups and these giant cool downs and all this stuff. I mean, people are the sport of CrossFit now is almost becoming like a full, full time job for even people who just want to go to the gym. They don't even want to compete. They're just like fuck, you know, I have to do this workout and I'm going to get there like 35 minutes early and do all this stuff. And then I'm going to stay after. And it's like, man, even the average person, they need to do all these things just to be able to feel like they can, that they, that they can do it like a regular day in the gym. And it's like, oh my God. So, I mean, that's like one of the things that I like noticed very early on was like the quality of movement and how important that is. And if you had good quality of movement, like just for like cleans and snatches and deadlifts, you know, like if you're, if you're out of alignment just by like an inch or two on, you know, on a pull or on a cash or any of that stuff. Yeah. It's going to put a lot of pressure on your body. And at this point in my career, speaking of pressure on your body, like the reason I, one of the big reasons I did stop competing in the sport was because my left knee is completely degenerated. I don't have any cartilage, no meniscus, just all bone on bone. And it's been like that for a few years. So for me right now, I don't do anything with impact at all. I don't really do cleans anymore or snatches. I don't run. I don't do box jumps. I can do double unders because the majority of the pressure is getting like put into your calves versus your knee. Um, but I still get, I'll still limp around a little bit if I do too many of those in a day. Was that just wear and tear, Ryan, um, that caused that just over, over the years of training? 
as a matter of fact, like one of the biggest impacts on my knee was a snowboard accident. And I, I wound up tearing my ACL and a bunch of other stuff in there, but then I had surgery and it was okay. But then after my career, like my right leg is still fine, but my left, left leg just hurts all the time. So I can't really even squat below parallel. So a lot of things that I do are single leg. Like people will see me do, like I have a video on my Instagram of me in Sweden, just like a, not even a year ago now. And I was doing a 400 and well, I guess it'd be like a 200 kilo almost back rack lunge for you guys, for the kilos. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was reflecting on a 200 uh, kilo lunge. I was thinking, yeah. yes, that's quite a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge guy, right? I'm only like 175 pounds, which is... But you're jacked. Uh, yeah, I try to be. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I, for, for me, like I don't really go below parallel anymore. So a lot of single leg stuff because when you do a lunge, you know, your leg hits 90 degrees and you're good. But even like a wall ball for me now is like tough to do because I have to, you know, really mentally think about going down totally even on both legs and like one leg's way stronger than the other. So it's kind of like I, I stay away from any sort of like squatting like that. Uh, that's like, that's like a, a couple of the things. So because my knee is so messed up and I feel like it was from doing a lot of dumb stuff, I put that into my training now. Like I don't really do tons of stuff with like a, a lot, a lot of impact. Like I know the sport of CrossFit and like functional fitness in general, I don't have to keep generalizing it as CrossFit, but that whole functional fitness realm, you know, there's, it's not uncommon to see a workout where it's like, oh, we're going to do, you know, 50 clean and jerks or 50 mm. snatches. But you look at like an Olympic lifting program, the way it's supposed to actually be made, and no one really ever does more than like five in a set. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not meant to be that way. Your 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 body's not meant to have all that impact on it. And then that's just the first part of the workout, right? You're probably gonna go run after that and do all these different things. So for my programming, I always think about the longevity of the person and the durability of the person, and I want that person to feel good. And then also perform better in whatever it is they like to do, whether it's skateboarding for the first time in 20 years or they want to go surf or they want to go ride their bike. Um, and I also take into account that waking up the next day is an important thing. So when you wake up in the morning, you feel like shit because you probably did something that wasn't a good idea. Uh, and in, in the last six years of, my, of owning my gym and having that app that's really, really big right now, we have you know, over 5,000 people around the world and hundreds of affiliates. Like I, I've made every single workout myself for the last six years. No one's made another workout, not one. Wow. Nice. So, I think yeah, it's a no. good point that you make around the, the movement preparation stuff. And Jack and I've had this conversation before of, of um, like there's times when I just jump straight into a workout. If it, even, even if it's a fairly, um, if it's got a decent amount of volume in it, strength based, because over the years of, I mean, I've been strength and conditioning coach for the last I don't know, 12 years, but you put these habits in place. So I've got less remedial work to have to do before I get into a session. And yeah, okay. There's the, there's the, um, the benefits of working through a little bit of range of movement, starting to get the, the neural pathways fired up and then you can get into the main, the main bulk of it. But we're, we're sort of like quite big on movement preparation for people because the sort of you, you, the general person coming in to train may well have been sat down in a in a chair for eight hours or in a car or, or just coming in with some pretty some pretty gnarly injury history which which needs needs a little bit more time on it and I think like just from your point there to reflect on 
how do we maintain a better movement quality and how do we maintain better habits, which mean that we can then sort of dive straight into something a little bit more. I, I think it's always like when you put it into perspective and going, well, as a human being, I need half an hour to prep myself before I go and do something. Does it sort of lead you down that route of thinking that we're particularly, um, uh, you know, if you put under the survival of the fittest, like if you got to go, you got to go. Like you need to be able to get your foot on the gas and, and move. Um, you don't need to be necessarily yeah, doing a huge amount of prep work before. But so many people have found themselves in that place where they have to because they've just from neglect or abuse of their own bodies for, for a period of time, which is where we're quite big on trying to help people to understand that and move forwards from it. But it's, I think it's really, really useful and interesting point you make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're, you're definitely right. There's definitely people who need to warm up a hundred percent and it's not always because, you know, their movement patterns aren't great, but, um, I do think that there's, there is something to be said about like that, that old school saying where it's like, you never see a cheetah stretch to go kill something. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, you know, his food comes by, he's got to go. But yeah, I think, there's definitely people who absolutely 100% need it regardless just because they've been sitting in a chair all day and they just don't move the same as everybody else. And they, they just need more preparation. But I think for advanced athletes, like, yeah, I think people are kind of overdoing that, that aspect at the moment, but that's just me. We, we share a similar um, philosophy around longevity being one of the most important things. Yes. Our short-term goals, um, you know, maybe, uh, using them as, as motivating factors to, to keep us consistent with our training. But ultimately, like, we still want to be moving well and enjoying life. Um, just as much as you're talking about going outside and just enjoying being able to go outside, we want to be able to enjoy our bodies as we get older as well. And if we're, if we're just hammering them and not, um, you know, not moving with that quality that you talk about, Tim talks about this all the time, like the, the movement is the cornerstone of performance and the quality of the movement is going to take dictate how well you um, build, you know, build strength and, and adapt and build those movement qualities. But it's also, as you've highlighted, that it's going to dictate how good you feel the next day and how how good or how poor your movement is going to be when you come back into the gym. And if you, it's probably, it might be a little bit of an alarm. You know, there'll be some people listening to this that are nodding along agree and there'll be other people listening to it going, crikey, just 30 minutes prep, I do about 45 because they still always feel completely, um, you know, restricted or whatever whenever they come back to start training. And it's probably a, a good time to ask yourself or a prompt. I'm thinking it's a bit of a prompt to ask yourself the question, am I potentially moving quite poorly through my session and hence why I'm feeling so restricted when I next come back into the gym? Something to think about. Yeah. But also think about the people out there who are like, they don't have the time to train. Yeah. And now like they're adding in this, this warm up that's as long as their entire training session or, you know, now, now they definitely don't have that much time because now, they feel like they need two hours and it just winds up being more of an, ex- like people love excuses, but they'll get excited about an excuse all day to not do something. So now, you know, all of a sudden they definitely don't have time because it's just too long. Mm-hmm. But that's why I always try to kind of like shorten things for people and kind of like, I, I like to have my workout with the warm up built into it. So like, I just kind of just start with the lighter weights and just keep moving through and moving through and it gets heavier and heavier. Like I will never just, like these people who do like reverse pyramids or they start with like their max lift and then they go backwards. Mm. I've never understood that. I'm like, how do you not, how does your body not snap? (laughs) 
Ryan, with your, um, I'm just interested in your experience with calisthenics and you mentioned around um, body weight, you've got a body weight program before as well. And obviously in, in CrossFit, um, calisthenics is, is a big part of, of, um, of, of, what your, of what a competition or training session might look like. With your sort of like your strength to weight ratio, were you pretty good at, the, at that side of things or was that an area which you had to invest quite a bit of time in? Uh, I mean, I would say more of like the harder pulling movements, like muscle ups and stuff like that. Definitely took me a little bit of time skill wise. Cause the event, like I, I was definitely strong enough, but like the, like all the little, I mean like doing like a strict muscle up literally took me years. I got a regular one, no problem, but a strict one, I would try every once in a while and just like really upset me and then I just wouldn't do it anymore. <laughs> We find that quite a lot from uh, people that come to workshops that have learned to do a, a kipping muscle up and then they just, they cannot, they're strong enough. They are strong enough, but they've taught themselves to move in a pattern which they then can't break. So the brain's like, oh, it's a muscle up. I know I've got to do, but it, they, it defaults to like a kipping version rather than a strict version. And, and particularly on the way back down, they can't, they can't nail that descent to then try and hit a second rep um, because the body kind of like falls into, into a path of that extension and then they can't actually kind of reconnect and, and get back out. It's really interesting to watch people struggle with that um, and how frustrated frustrated that they are that they, that they get that can completely empathize with you on that one yeah it's tough like I, I just gave up on it because i never thought that i'd ever need it and then one day during a competition they made us do i think we had to do 30 strict muscle ups or something i was like oh my god i'm <laughs> i'm in so much trouble right now just a small number of muscle ups yeah <laughs> <laughs> but strict too like no one had, no one had ever done a strict one in yeah. competition and this it was like one of the big regional events. And I remember just being like, oh my God, like everybody was going crazy posting videos about like, you know, <laughs> if you were really good at them, you posted a video of you doing like 10 in a row and then if you were really bad at them, you just posted like a blooper reel of you trying to do one. <laughs> well, something, um, something that makes all of our sort of body weight and calisthenics movements easier is being stronger. And so we wanted to, to get your thoughts on, um, on building strength. Obviously you, you know, you use a number of different tools, like, you know, whether you're using kettlebells, you do, whether you're doing bodyweight, whether you're doing barbell work, regardless of the, the tool that you might be or the modality of strength training that you might be using, what are, in your view, what are some of the key pillars that someone needs to make sure that they're getting right consistently if they're wanting to, to get stronger? Well, anybody who like talks about getting stronger, I, there's like, for me, there's two things that are super important for them. Is like one, are you just going in the gym and just lifting every single day and not actually taking into account, you know, your actual like load and volume throughout the week and throughout the month and throughout the year. Like if you, if you want to lose weight, for instance, and you're not tracking your macros, then it's pretty hard to lose weight. If you're lifting and you're not tracking your numbers, it's pretty hard to get strong. Yeah. You can come into the gym every day and lift as heavy as you want, but you know, eventually it's just, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work out. So I think following some sort of a strength program is really good. I love the, the Wendler, W-E-N-D-L-E-R uh, strength template. It's very, very simple. Um, the, the numbers are easy to follow. The program is very easy to write even for yourself. For a squat program, my favorite squat program of all time is the Hatch Squat, H-A-T-C-H. They even have a, I think it's a, there's even like a free app for that. It's an amazing, amazing squat program. Um, trying to think of other programs that I've loved throughout my time. I think, that, but, that, I mean, 
even even oh yeah go ahead i was gonna say that point that you make about tracking is really important i think it's um like i've been guilty of that past and I, I, I track my workouts now i've got a notebook and it's a real it's a real mess but you just scribble down what you've done but the amount of times that you've sort of gone into the session you, you always do the lift and you think oh, okay see so so whatever the lift is you think oh, okay yeah, i've done that amount i'll do that next week or i'll, I'll nudge it on and and um the, when you come back to the session the following week and you're like oh, i can't actually remember was it one was it 100 or was it 110 or or, or whatever it would have been i think and, and just having that diary of okay um even down to the point about the loads is one thing but the volumes like you said is also super important because it's say you went like you were going to go five by five right real simple example but your last couple of reps on the, on the third set or the fourth set were a little bit ropey like even if you can make a note of that and you do the same weight but you're more consistent with your reps that's still a progressive overload you still did it better than you did the week before so it's still worth sort of noting but that can be quite sometimes you know it's like when you get into strength training it can take a number of weeks to put quite a small amount of weight on a bar when you get to a certain stage but even if you're coming in and you're like right my target for today's session is on the third set reps four and five they've got to go down like pretty solid i said there's so much value in identifying those little opportunities to move your strength forward when, when the objective is a maximal strength adaptation yeah, and I, th- I think tim as well the fact when we're talking for those that are talking about calisthenics and, and bodyweight training where we haven't necessarily got um numbers to record unless you're doing say like weighted dips or weighted pull-ups it it becomes even more important that you provide yourself with that those little those little notes and those little bits of detail about what those reps and sets were like so that you that like you say so that you can track and see whether for, for me it becomes down to then it becomes like a a motivational and, and bum tapping effect of like I like to see the what I did before so that when I've done it a little bit better like I can give myself that little pick me up and give myself that little bum tap rather than not being actually aware of those little intricacies of, of improvement that I had from, from week on week. I think I, I've, I've lacked that myself in the past when I've not been, not been tracking so diligently. Yeah. I think it's funny when someone tells you that they've been doing, you know, something for such a long time, they haven't seen any goals and they do everything right. And, and, and all this, and then you're like, all right, let me see what your workout looks like. Why don't you tell me what it looks like? And then they just <laughs> tell you that they do like the exact same thing every day. Like I go into the gym and I do this and I do this and I do this. It's like all the same movements, all the same weight every single day. Their diet doesn't change. You know, they probably sleep like crap. Don't drink enough water, like all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh my God, this person's a train wreck. Yeah. They're not even trying. So it's, yeah. So it's like the, well, they're, they're putting their energy in the wrong, in the wrong areas maybe, but there's, there's some simple, simple sort of things there like that you're talking about sort of foundational stuff of of tracking and then even just like you mentioned there like hydration and then obviously you're talking about there being some some variety rather than it being some periodization to our training rather than just being the same thing all the time is there anything else sort of specific to, to when we're talking about strength yeah food i mean it's pretty hard for you to get stronger if you're not eating enough and drinking enough i mean i've there's, I mean, even someone like myself, when I, when I don't track my food, I mean, I don't have to like track, track it, but at least like have a pretty good general idea of how much I'm eating, kind of keep a mental note. Yeah. Cause I love, I love to get on my bike and I'll go ride for, you know, a couple hours on top of the training session that I did that day. And it's like, yeah, if, if I, I want to get stronger in the gym and I don't want to lose weight, I mean, you know, being stronger definitely has something to do with how much you weigh. You don't always have to get bigger to get stronger, but it definitely doesn't help to get smaller. Yeah. So for me, like I have to make sure that I'm eating enough to 
subsidize those extra calories that I spent riding the bike for a few hours. And I think that a lot of people think that they're eating enough and it, it's not enough, definitely not enough to get stronger and definitely not enough to, you know, add any sort of performance. Like the way you eat is definitely a giant performance factor. I think every professional sport, I'm sure you can attest to this, like they always have like people, nutritionists, or maybe they even have a cafeteria to feed you guys constantly. Like this is a big thing. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. But then also, I guess if, if we're talking about another thing for, for strength, I do think that one of the best things I ever did for myself was incorporate different movements. So not like the person on Instagram who's literally just creating like a circus act just because he wants to have the one post that no one's ever made. <laughs> but like, I like to incorporate like hip thrusts and dumbbell lunges versus a barbell lunge and lateral barbell lunges and like, you know, just different types of movements that you just don't see every day. Like you don't just have to back squat, bench press and strict press. Yeah. You know, like you can, you can add, you know, kettlebells to the end of your barbell and add like a, you know, a central nervous system factor to it. And you can do that same thing with squats and you can add different variations of all the movements and you don't necessarily have to lift super heavy to get strong every single time you can, you know, lift in a certain, in a different type of way, like with those balance factors on there. And a lot of that stuff makes a huge difference. You don't think it does in that moment, but later on it does when you go back to the regular movement. Yeah. Definitely. Kind of like, um, like the, who's Louis Simmons? What's his, the conjugate method? A lot of the stuff that he does for the, for the 50% effort days where they do dynamic stuff like really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think you're right in that. And we've had a number of conversations around that about moving in different planes of motion because it's, the body's not designed to just be front front to back, like um, sagittal plane. We should, we should be exposing ourselves to some some other patterns within that. And I think that's, uh, it just makes me always think when, when that conversation starts to come up when we're talking about strength, it's really important that people understand what their definition of strength is. Like you'll see someone do a 200 kilo deadlift and yeah, there's no doubt that they're strong. But how do you want to be strong? What do you want to do with your body? What patterns do you want to move in? Because it's not all about absolute numbers on a, on a barbell. If you've got other things that you want to do and even if you haven't, and it's just you looking for, for, for just a healthy living, you, we don't necessarily need to be hitting peak numbers on heavy lifts um, to be able to sort of say that we are a strong person. There's, there's so many different variations or interpretations, rather, of, of what that actually looks like. Well, yeah, I actually tore my bicep tendon and had surgery maybe like eight or nine months ago now. And before my surgery, I was probably like in the best shape of my life. I was, you know, doing a, doing a workout and then in the middle of a muscle up, just my, my bicep disappeared into my shoulder and it snapped it off and it was a tragic event. Yeah, that is tragic. <laughs> and then, That's brutal. oh man, it was, it was brutal. It was like probably one of the worst uh, injuries I've had in a very long time besides my, maybe my knee surgery. But for the next, for the last eight or nine months, like I haven't even... I have not done a heavy, like one rep max back squat. I mean, I haven't even back squatted actually at all. Not even one time in the last eight or nine months. I've only lunged or done hip thrust or something like that. I don't think I've even hit heavier than a three or a five rep lift in this entire time. Yeah. And I have been even, and I've been doing so many different types of movements that I'm, I usually wouldn't do because I'm just trying to figure out ways to lift lighter, but get a benefit out of it. Mm. And my body looks literally exactly the same as when I was a 
competitor lifting the heaviest weights I've ever lifted and just like destroying myself. And now I'm, I move so much better. I'm so much healthier and it wasn't on purpose either. It was just like, it was, I had to, like, I couldn't lift heavy weights even now, like to do a heavy bicep curl or something like that is terrifying to me still. To just, like I'm just not there yet mentally, but okay. even with all the things that I have been able to do, you know, I look, I still look exactly the same as when I was doing all that heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim's talked a number of times about injuries being opportunities and it sounds like that's, um, whether it's a forced opportunity or something, uh, that we decide to do like exploring, always exploring different, different options and different variations, whether it's for, you know, you're finding a difference there and to more, more probably it's back towards that longevity. But even as you said, one of those factors for, for building strength, making sure that we're not, we've got to provide different stimuli for the, to, for the body to, to want to, want to adapt and want to, um, want to keep getting stronger. Um, let's talk then a little bit about, um, building something else and that be building, um, community. It sounds from, obviously I'd, I'd love to be able to come and visit the gym and what you've got, what you're doing and what you've, what you've set up and hearing the background story of how it all, how it all actually happened for you and, and the struggles that I guess you had to, had to work through, I imagine shaped a lot of, um, your resilience and your sort of work ethic, but not only from what you've developed in terms of your gym, it seems like there's a big, a big drive to to develop, develop the community to to build a community, and that seems quite apparent. Um, you know, with everything that you've got going on, the the different being you know trying to connect different people that are part of your part of your um, part of your network, your affiliates. Um, it seems like that's a, a, a is that a, a, the heart of what you've trying to do? Has it always been the case? Has community been a big part of it from the start? Well, that was like definitely my biggest, you know, I shouldn't say biggest, like one of my favorite things about being part of the CrossFit brand for such a long time and being part of the sport was, you know, dropping into different gyms and friends who own gyms and, you know, traveling around the world, you, you know, be in different gyms and, being an athlete, you know, on the, with the bobsled team and all that, I, I went to different training centers and just like seeing all of the gyms and, you know, things that were really cool about one gym and, you know, maybe another gym had something else that I really liked. And when it came to opening my own gym, I eventually just kind of took all these little pieces and I was very, very fortunate to have an investor in my gym that was extremely wealthy. You guys remember MySpace back in the day? Yep. The guy who, I never use it, dude, but the guy who made the operating software for that is my business partner. He's worth, you know, tons of money. Wow. So he's like, you know, whatever you want the gym to look like, just go for it. So I want to say that I was, <laughs> I was like, probably if I wasn't the first, there was like maybe one other gym at the same time building one like mine, but I was like the first, like CrossFit gym to come out. That was like a million dollar gym. Like everybody else was like, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollar, you know, small little startup, and then I started to get going. And I remember saying to him, I was like, you know, like I'm interested in this because he wanted to invest in me. It wasn't something I wanted to do at the time. Funny enough, like most things that I wanted being good at in my life, I just I didn't really want to do at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but but somebody else was like, no, you're gonna be good at this. It's gonna be good. So he was he was really excited for me, and I was like, all right, well, listen, 
And keep in mind, I'm, I'm a super broke. I had no money. And I'm telling this guy, I'm like, dude, I need like, you know, a $50,000 sound system. And I want, you know, $200,000 worth of equipment. And I want, you know, $200,000 bathrooms. And like, I want all these things. And he's like, do you really think you need all that? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I think we do. I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't go to school for business. I went to school for exercise, physiology and nutrition and, and all that, but it wasn't, it wasn't very hard to put the numbers together in my head. I was like, well, if soul cycle, do you guys know what soul cycle is? No, no. It's a, it's a very, very popular spin studio in America. Okay. okay. Um, I'm like, well, if, if, if this human, you know, you guys know what orange theory is? Uh, no, no, no orange theory. <laughs> we know, we know right, well, I'm sure you know what like F45 is probably. Yeah. Is. Yeah. yeah we got that okay. Idea. So however, F45 is to you guys, these are like other brands here that are big brands that, you know, they, they, they I'm trying to think of the term. They, they generate tons and tons of revenue. Yeah. And they all have like kind of the same vibe, like F45, not as much, but these other brands like soul cycle and orange theory, they're like, you know, almost million, they're like million dollar facilities. They always have like the nicest equipment, the nicest music playing, like the nicest music system, like a beautiful front desk, like all these different things. And I was like, all right, well, that's like the one thing that's missing with CrossFit is like, we don't have like a very beautiful desk to walk into and someone at the desk to say hi <laughs> and sign you up. And like, you know, all the equipment should work and be done and be new. Like one of the big things that I did when I, you know, got my gym open was like every year I would either, you know, swap out the bikes or the rowers for new stuff or new weights, or I would buy new kettlebells or new dumbbells. Like every single year I do something big, like I, to make it, so, so the members are like, wow, like we always have new stuff. And then as that kind of grew, that was like something that like on Instagram was like a very prominent thing. They're like, oh man, Chalk is like always doing this. Like, that's really, really cool. Like he's putting new equipment in and I always made videos about it, talking about like why you should be doing that. Because most people would just squeeze every dollar out of the business and then, you know, never put anything back into it and eventually you do well for a little bit and then before you know it people start to resent you for like never putting anything back into the gym and then as i traveled around and stuff i'd always tell people about this and then eventually i created this map online um it's it's if you go to my website chalkperformancetraining.com and you click chalk online you scroll all the way down and you'll see this giant map there's every single person on chalk online who follows the program is on this map and all these people are all doing the same workouts. And I thought like, how cool would it be if you can connect with all the people who resonate with that brand and resonate with that gym that everyone follows on social media or follows on some outlet. And now I'm like, I think I'm the first person in the world that has a map now that you can click on and you can actually contact that person. So now yeah, I think that's what, that's what I saw on your Instagram earlier. That it was uh, see, seeing the opportunity to connect using using the the internet to be able to connect to those people or just make it very easy for those people to connect they've got that common that common goal or that commonality and that they're part of something but uh, i thought that was yeah it was really that was really quite cool to see yeah it's just like the soul of the gym is just kind of like spreading and to it, it's more of you know answering a call like 
this is another thing that I wasn't really, I didn't, wasn't planning on doing it, but a lot of people would start asking me, you know, like I dropped into your gym and I loved it and I'm back home now. Do you know of any gyms around here that follow your program? Do you know of any people around here that follow your program? And this, this wound up being a very common question. So it's an organic, organic sort of process. You were just providing the service that people were effectively asking for. Yeah. And even my own members are like, Hey, I'm traveling to another, you know, another country or I'm traveling to another state for work. And do you know of any yeah. gyms, you know, forget just who even follow my program. Do you know of any gyms that are good that I can jump into? Yeah. But then it wound up becoming, you know, I know a lot of gyms follow your program now, which ones do. And then it was like, well, how do I, how do I show people how to do this? But then, you know, there's a like CrossFit, for instance, I hate bringing up them every single time, but they have a big map on their website and it shows you, you know, all the gyms and no matter where you go, you can at least click on one and see if that's a place you want to go. But I was like, you know, not everybody likes to go to a gym or, you know, a lot of people like think about when you go stay somewhere, it's how cool it is to stay like in a hostel versus a hotel because you get to find new people and hang out. Hmm. And, and, and learn things about the area or whatever, or like an Airbnb or whatever, right? So I was like, yeah. well, what if, uh, what if you could talk to everybody who followed the program? I mean, I didn't have the affiliate program in the beginning, and now we have 5,000 people that just have the program. So what if we just kind of like put a little email associated with them and they can reach out and if they decide to say, hey, then they will. And if they don't want to, then they won't. And that was when the map was kind of born. And now... Because of that, wow, like people are really, really getting excited and I'd love to somehow turn it into like a, it's, it's, it's not, it's not um, implied, but there's like a dating uh, a community within it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different, that's a different, that's power, a podcast. power of data, right? <laughs> you can just go and uh, <laughs> you can start to connect a few people together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chalk gyms, chalk people, chalk dating. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing um, some experience over an incredible career as an athlete and also the, the personal story that goes with it as well. I think uh, it will really resonate with people and it just adds so much texture to to some of the, the things that you've learned. And, and um, I, I'm sure a lot of our audience will, will enjoy listening to this and... Um, and just take some real, um, some real value from, from your very, uh, kind of a, what has become quite a broad approach to, to fitness and training. And, um, mm -hmm. and I think that's a, a really, really positive and powerful thing. So thank you for your time. Of course. Thank you. If someone wanted to find out about you and, and what you're all up to and, and, um, get involved with, with your, with your stuff, what, where, how do they find you? What's the best place for people to kind of, to look you up? On Instagram, it's Ryan fish, R Y A N F I S C H. Um, Ryan Fisher was taken, so I just stick with Ryan Fish. <laughs> and then, and then you know, you can go in my bio, and all the good stuff is there. If you want to check out that website with the map, it's uh, chalkperformancetraining.com. And then you click Chalk Online, and you go all the way down, and you'll see you'll see the map. It's really really cool, and I'm updating it all the time. I'm actually creating a new app now, which will be intertwined with everything. It's it's not done yet, but I'm actually going to be incorporating everything that we do in the gym. People don't know this yet. I actually haven't even told this to anyone yet. So you guys <laughs> be the first ones to know. Yes. Exclusive. Uh, but, but I'm also going to be involving like every sport that you do will also be involved in the app. Have you guys ever heard of an app called Strava? Yes. So basically what you can do on Strava, like with your, you can, you can record your bike, the distance of it. It'll give you the elevation, how much you've traveled and all that stuff. Yeah. 
for, for, for literally any sport that you're doing. I want to add that on there as like extra, like, you know, like extra activity that that person did for the day on top of their workout or, or maybe they didn't work out that day and they just did that. Cause I think it's cool for everybody to see everything that you're doing, you know, and performance training to me is, is like, is, is what I want everybody to be doing, not just being in the gym, but performing better and everything. So nice. that's going to be part of this, this app and it'll be another, another first of its kind type of thing. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Cool. And, uh, yeah, if you guys keep following me on Instagram, you'll, you'll see all the things happen. Great. And would it be fair awesome. to say, Ryan, that you would really appreciate it as well if um, if anyone listening would go to iTunes or wherever they listen to it and give this podcast a five star review? I'm, I'm sure you would think that would be a good idea too. A hundred percent. We'll uh, we'll put those links um, in the show notes to the, to the website and your Instagram, so you'll be able to just click. The link should be below where, where you're listening now. You'll be able to just click on those and go straight through. So thank you, Ryan, once again for being on the Schoolcast Tonight's podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on and, and hearing more about your, your personal story. And um, as Tim said, I'm sure it will uh, resonate with many people out there. So from all of us here at the Schoolcast Tonight's, we've got nothing else to say other than until next time. Class dismissed. So Timbo, there was an awful lot in that podcast. And just to sort of summarise and dissect it quickly, a few of the key takeaway messages for the listeners that, that you brought or that you took out of that. Yeah. Like I said, it's an interesting conversation. I think one of the big things for me that stands out is it's good to hear someone who's been through um, extensive program of training in different formats. The re- the realization off the back of that is that we don't need to beat ourselves up when we train, like training in a way which is causing injuries and is, is debilitating in the longer term. It's not a smart investment in the way that we move and we train and, and training through pain. Sometimes you kind of think that that's like the macho thing to do, or it's like, you're going to win a flipping medal for it. Well, you might do if you're a competitor, but you've got to think about what happens longer term and moving with pain. And what that actually leads you to is then not being able to do stuff that you kind of maybe want to do later on in your life. I just think having that foresight is a, is a really good reminder that we need to invest now and think about what we do now and how that's going to affect what happens in the next 10 years. Yeah, hear, hearing that sort of message of longevity being reiterated and a, a marker of that that I thought was quite interesting from Ryan was if you have to do the most unbelievable warm up to even just prepare yourself for the session, then maybe you are, as you say, beating yourself up too much. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a good that's a good lesson and takeaway for people yeah. people to take. I, I thought was, the other yeah, the other big on. thing, yeah, the, the other big thing around um, about getting strong, and we've both um, talked a little bit about this of um, the importance that the number one thing importance he put on that of like actually tracking your load and your volume session by session week by week month by month and then even like being able to reflect back on year by year unless we're tracking what we're doing that that is actually going to affect um how well you're going to progress because partly part of me like challenges that i sort of think well surely you could just you could just train part of me wants to like push back in so but surely if you, had, if you do like train really hard you, you're going to be able to build up that strength but i've i've had that personal experience of knowing what I'd done in the previous sessions and the previous weeks, allowing you to actually program that progressive overload that we know is so important has been, yeah, is such a key thing that I've experienced myself a lot recently as well. Yeah. There's no doubt that just training will get you to a point, but the whole 
thing that we want really out of it is to get there in the most efficient way possible. So if mm. by putting a really simple tool in means that rather than kind of like swerving from left to right through your training program, you can take a more direct route to what you want to get to. That's why we do what we do. No one was in training just to like meander about kind of, well, some people might be, but most of us have got a goal that we're working towards. You don't want to meander towards that goal. You want to kind of do things which are moving you forwards and towards it. So yeah, I think that's such an easy thing and something I've, I've, I get a huge amount of value or, or kickback in my training program from just making simple notes so I know what I've done um, and it's, it doesn't need to be complicated yeah well I think you've said for a long time like getting strong like properly strong it takes a it takes a long time it takes but we had a conversation earlier this week about the the years of work that you've done for your vertical pushing strength um, as an example it, it's a it's a long-term thing building building strength properly yeah and that needs that needs that sort of progressive overload over a long period of time not and, and not over a few weeks or even just a few months potentially and that's where i guess knowing and tracking those things allows you to 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 make that a progressive progress yeah. uh, process yeah yeah i think those are probably the two the two big takeaways do you have anything else you want about strength uh, and... that, there was uh, just one other thing for me i think was that i loved the bit around um if you're struggling with motivation he was talking about um there was a little bit around for helping us uh, with our motivation finding some hobbies that you in, that you really enjoy doing and that was for him was going back to things and it reminded me of when I bought my skateboard at Christmas because it, it was going back to something you really loved doing as a kid and having that as part of uh, of part of what your your exercise regime if you like um, to bring back some of those fond memories as a kid and it brings back that smile to your face I thought that was a that was a that was a nice one it's reminded me that although I bought a skateboard I haven't been on it for a very long time so I need to get back on it yeah it's a good point because like I've um I've had a mountain bike in my shed for for a long time and um yeah. Jack's now at the point where like he's we've got this little shotgun um seat which he sits on the crossbar and we've we started going out in the summer into the woods and, and riding trails and stuff and it gets him out of the house it's a bit of time we spend together um I can p- kind of push it and give it a bit of a workout get some metabolic work done at the same time but I, I'm absolutely loving it and I get like it's a nice little addition to my lower body kind of like ethos about what I'm doing and um it's yeah it, it's not I wouldn't say that it's it's necessarily part of my training but it's a hobby and i guess a training benefit out of it as well so it's uh, it ticks a couple of boxes and yeah i think those sorts of things it's i'm not going to be trying to compete in mountain biking but if it's something that i can do to get a little bit of extra sort of conditioning heart rate elevation heart rate elevation stuff during the week then yeah and i love it it's, it's time with jack and it's uh it's probably one of the f- my favorite things to do at the moment so definitely yeah. a nice little take home for people to think about yeah if there's ever a father-son downhill mountain biking competition where it's on six on the handlebars maybe you maybe you'd be yeah i mean it works well there. but he likes to stop for a snack and he's like the slowest eater uh, ever so like we were, we were absolutely <laughs> hammering it around we did a trail last weekend and we were hammering it around i was looking at my watch going right we're gonna go we might get around twice today like and it's probably like a 40 minute loop um and we were looking pretty good and then he wanted to stop for a snack and he just bimbled around for 15 minutes chomping on a biscuit and some chocolate because when we go mountain biking we eat chocolate right 85 percent. obviously he knows what the good stuff uh, where it comes from um but it took ages and then by the time i got back to cars i'll sit there so i don't if if it's a mountain bike competition father son includes snack breaks we might then you're up yeah, for yeah. longest snack and fastest bike ride that's probably a competition we can win <laughs> we've gone off topic but let's so, well it gets you outside in nature as well, Ryan mentioned that as yeah, well. Yeah, we love it. So yeah, it's ticking it. lots of boxes for you. 
Right, well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week, guys. Isn't that a nice little bit of a... We've added this little reflections thing onto the end just to sort of get our, our um, sort of thoughts out and key take messages. So it's like a conclusion, isn't it, at the end of a nice little report. So um, I hope that has been useful. But you've, we've got all the details that you know. We'll be back next week with more podcasting. So thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts. So we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a load of value out of it, guys. And we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value. And also, if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars, not as good keep it five are the best five of your best stars please (laughs) and if you would like to find out more about the school of calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got head over to our virtual classroom you can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com and that is where we have got literally possibly the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world it's definitely the best one we've done and on that note until next week class dismissed